What is the U.S. Space Force and who is going to be a part of it? This is one of many questions Americans have as a new service stands up. Hi, I'm your host, Bill Wolf, the president and founder of the Space Force Association. On this edition of A Space Pro, I interview Mitchell Overton and Justin Lotzbaum, co-founders of Quantum Aerospace, LLC. They'll both be retiring from the Air Force this year after a combined 40 years of experience in the intelligence community. Most of that time has been dedicated to promoting the space intelligence mission. A Space Pro podcast covers topics from military, industry, civil, and education sectors. To gain a better understanding of what the U.S. Space Force is all about and why it is a critical component to our national security, please go to www.ussfa.org and sign up for updates on all topics related to our newest military service. The views and opinions expressed or implied in this podcast should not be construed as carrying the official sanction of the Department of Defense, Air Force, Space Force, or other agencies or departments of the U.S. government. Now let's listen in and gain the military perspective of experienced space intelligence professionals on how to support the critical intelligence missions in support of the United States Space Force. Thank you, Mitchell Overton and Justin Lotzbaum from Quantum Aerospace for taking time out of your busy schedule to discuss the, the, the intricacies of ensuring that as the Space Force stands up, they have everything they need to understand the threat environment. And from what I understand, Quantum Aerospace specializes in that. And your, both of your careers have been based on the space intelligence arena. And so before we get started, if we could just get a background from each of you, let's start with Justin. Justin, could you just provide a, a brief overview of your career and, and kind of what led you to Quantum Aerospace? And then we'll talk a little bit about what Quantum Aerospace is. So Justin, over to you. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Hippie. I appreciate it. And I uh, just want to say it's an honor to be able to speak with you and, and, and share some of our ideas with the, with the Space Force Association. So thanks for the great opportunity. Um, you know, my, my time in space ISR started in 2009, although I came in the Air Force in 2000. I'm a classically trained signals intelligence analyst, but I arrived at Vandenberg Air Force Base in 2009 and kind of got into the space ISR domain. I started off doing some target development for, for some non-kinetic systems, and that kind of led into me moving into what was called the Unified Space Vault, doing command and control for some of those deployed systems, and then uh, moved up into the headquarters building of 14th Air Force, where I took over as the manager of special program uh, integration. And really what that means is that I was handling Intel requirements that fed into the development of special access programs. So I've, I've touched a broad area of space, uh, ISR. Uh, now I've, I'm, I'm finishing up as the flight chief for ISR operations in the CSPOC, which really delves into how we provide Intel support to all of the tactical units underneath the SPOC. So again, like I've, I've had a, a pretty good breadth of experience with, with space ISR. And now, you know, Mitch and I in the last two years had a conversation about how there's not a lot of people that have the experience that we have with our combined 40 years of space ISR experience. And so what we're looking to do is as Space Force stands up and as Space Command continues, we want to ensure that we are integrating ISR into both space operations and also into space acquisitions. And so that's a little bit about my background and what quantum aerospace is all about. No, thank you, Justin, I appreciate that. You know what, you, you rattle off uh, quite a bit of um, alphabet soup, if you will, 
uh, in that introduction. So real quickly for the broad audience, uh, the Combined Space Operations Center, what, you know, what, what is that uh, really? You said CSPOC, so Combined Space Operations Center, what does that really do? So the Combined Space Operations Center is like, the, it's the C2 component for the Space Operation Command's units. And also we are, we're combined now because we have coalition members from Australia, Great Britain, and Canada sitting in the Space Operations Center. And what we're doing is we are providing C2 to our tactical units and to any units that are underneath the Space Operations Command. Got it. Yeah, no, that's good. And then uh, the intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance, that's really what we're going to be focusing on today. I mean, as the Space Force and U.S. Spacecom stands up, it's going to be imperative they understand that the fight really starts with the threat environment. And it sounds like what quantum aerospace is all about is quantifying specifically what that threat environment looks like and then providing information to leadership and the Space Force and U.S. Spacecom. But before we get too much further into that, let's go over to Mitch. Mitch, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, hey, uh, thanks. Thanks, Hippie. Um, so yeah, I started uh, my career in 1996, uh, much like Justin did as a signals intelligence analyst and spent uh, about eight years of my career doing the the national second mission I, I actually came into space just out of uh, happenstance it, it, it happened by accident uh got an assignment when uh, fourth space control squadron was at uh, holloman air force base uh, i served there as a space control operator and finished off my time there as the squadron superintendent and i haven't left space since since then so I, I would say uh, in the Intel world, we're, Justin and I are considered a, a, a unicorn. It's, it's not common for Intel professionals to, to spend a big chunk of their career uh, in space. And uh, I uh, moved on from, from there, went to the numbered Air Force in a position that Justin uh, replaced me doing spa uh, um, special program integration for special access program missions. Uh, when it became the superintendent of the uh, Unified Space Vault at the uh, then Joint Space Operations Center, which was the Combined Space Operations Center predecessor. Uh, did some time uh, going back to the 14th Air Force and uh, did uh, chief enlisted management for um, the five wings, the Air Operations Center, and uh, finishing off my career uh, Right now, uh, working at the uh, former Air Force Space Command headquarters, now known as Headquarters U.S. Space Force, and uh, having a good time uh, uh, working that and looking forward to retirement here pretty soon. Uh, it's awesome that you guys got together and started a company that I know is going to be extremely successful. So why don't you tell the audience just a little bit about the mission of Quantum Aerospace and kind of why you started it? What was the niche that you knew needed to be build as you develop that organization? Yeah, I'll, I'll take this, Hippie. Um, so back, like Justin talked about too, about two years ago, when you talk about the niche, we, we thought about, you know, as Justin and I just kind of rattled off our backgrounds, that there's really not a lot of people that, at least in the Air Force, had, had done space as long as we had, specifically intelligence. Um, and the term I kind of look at is that, um, you know, when you look at the threat environment today, um, and the terminology that thrown around in a benign environment where the threat really wasn't as prevalent as it is now uh, and where U.S. space superiority isn't being challenged to the level that it has, that it is today and will be in the future. We just saw a growing need to have this experience level 
someone with the resume that Justin and I have to uh, serve in a capacity post-retirement life uh, and really get after some of those hard, uh, hard-hitting issues that, uh, that would impede our ability to, to maintain uh, uh, peaceful operations in space. So as we got together, we, we just looked at some of the companies out there. Now, granted, there's a, there's a lot of great companies that, that do um, ISR for space, uh, but we just thought we were one of those few uh, companies, a um, few couple of people that, that really have done this for a long time and really dedicated our careers to, to really improving ISR for space. So the, the idea, and when I say ISR, that's intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance. Um, but the idea was was like let's just do it do this on our own, uh, require a leap of faith, um, and and hopefully to leverage our experience and the network that we've developed over uh, our combined forty years of experience, and uh, it really just kind of started from there. And um, here we are, two years later, about ready to retire and really looking forward to continuing to serve in our uh, capacity as uh, as civilians. I appreciate that. And uh, the main objective, really, does it, is it going to be focused, is the intent to focus it on procedural ISR collection for space threats, or is it on development of the expertise necessary to help support the U.S. Space Force? What would, what would you say the, the lane that you want to go down, or, or is it the information? Uh, maybe it's just the information you want to provide or the specific information that, that you think needs to be embedded in the Space Force culture as it stands up. Well, I think that really, Hippie, there's, there's many avenues that quantum aerospace could actually go down. And, and you know, first and foremost is as we develop ISR airmen that will be supporting Space Force now that the Space Force is going to actually have their own indigenous intel airmen, uh, the, the training that's going to be required for those folks is something that you know Mitch and I could definitely be a part of in, in the development of that training. As they, as another avenue would be, as Space Force or Space Command starts to acquire their own ISR assets to actually help with uh, satisfying their own requirements uh, in the acquisition of those capabilities. That's another avenue that Quantum Aerospace is looking to get into, uh, leveraging the experience that we had in 14th Air Force in the A2Z shop. Uh, integrating ISR into the development of special access programs. Um, you know, that that's as Space Force, as Space Command uh, continues to develop C2 tools that will be used by ISR professionals, either uh, at the SPOC or maybe the National uh, Space Defense Center or anywhere where they're going to be using C2 tools, um, ensuring that intelligence equities are thought of and that the, that the, adequate intelligence is integrated into the development of those systems is something that we're going to focus on as well. And, and if I could ha- add to that hippie, I think the other part that we, that, that really listeners need to understand is when we were air force space command, a lot of the intelligence support that was required for the conduct of space operations. We, now we did have organic capability at the unit level, but the things that major things that we needed to do, like, like targeting, or uh, analysis, or processing, exploitation to dissemination. A lot of those capabilities we were beholden or, or had to um, federate those requirements out to uh, uh, major command in the Air Force and the Air Combat Command. So now as a new service, we're faced with the, the unique challenge of having to just build those things um, in organic to US Space Force, uh, dedicated solely for the conduct of space operations. So. 
we've always had to uh, be in competition for the lack of a better way to explain this with other customers that Air Combat Command to support a very large organization, many, many, uh, many customers that they have to support. Uh, so, so that's another thing I think we can look at as quantum aerospace is that, again, with our background in the national SIGINT mission, um, and then the, the experience that we've had in space, uh, we think we can bring a great perspective to that um, with our combined experience and help help the U.S. Space Force or even U.S. Space Command, for that matter, uh, grow into the uh, uh, service and uh, combat command that they need to become for the, for the future threat. That's great perspective. I appreciate that. I really like the point you made, Mitch, about Air Combat Command as a core function lead for intelligence for the Air Force, responsible for the training and implementation of that expertise. It's a limited resource. And uh, I did an interview not too long ago with a friend of mine who's an Intel squadron commander. And I asked him, how much training do you get as a air intelligence or really what I'd say is generically an intelligence professional under air combat command on space threats? And I, I don't know if you remember that going through training, but you know, you could probably answer that. How, how much training did you receive on space threats way back when um, when you're going through your schooling? Yeah, so I, I, I remember that, uh, that, that specific podcast and it was a great perspective. Um, not a lot. I mean, it's gotten better uh, lately. Uh, but, uh, you know, when we look at organizations like the Space Force Association uh, and, and, you know, why it exists, well, there's, there's a Space Force now, right? I would say the single issue we had from a force development perspective and getting our warfighters prepared for the, uh, the threats to space was what I call, we dabbled in space as Intel professionals. It was what I'd call like a one and done assignment. We would, we would get some experience. We would get a little local training and, you know, we would call it a day. And, and, and if you look at the school and how we do the initial skills training, um, because again, I mean, there's a, it's 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 no fault of their own, but the, the ISRs there's a huge ask in the Air Force. We had to support both uh, space, um, air, and cyber. Well, well, now we're our own service. So the, the benefit to what I think from a force development perspective for U.S. Space Force is now we will have ISR personnel steeped in space, and it's not to say that we do not ignore the other domains. Um, it will be an all-domain space fight, but it is important that we have individuals that live primarily in support of the space domain and gain an understanding of how other domains impact the ability to effectively conduct space operations. So uh, long answer to your question, but I mean, it's it's really important question. Um, and I think when people look at, well, why is there a space force and why do we need a new service versus U.S. Space Command as a warfighting command? Well, we need a service that delivers ISR professionals to be able to address the unique challenges associated with space operations. That's a great summary, Mitch. I appreciate that. Um, Justin, did you want to add at all to that discussion or, or I can, I've got another question keyed up, ready to go. Yeah. Well, I, you know, happy to kind of, circle back on what we were talking about earlier with, you know, the Space Force being 
organized training equipment and spacecom being warfighting it's it's imperative like mitch said that you know we are organizing and we are training folks for that space fight and so you know mitch you said yeah you had some great points um you know and it's not just going to be a space fight it's going to be a multi-domain fight right because we we and our adversaries utilize space for just about everything and we need people to understand that um we can't just do uh, space for space's sake we need we need folks that understand the you know uh the joint the joint intel preparation of the environment process for for space and we need people that understand it for cyber and we need people who understand it for ground and maritime and land and we need to combine all of that and so you know to Mitch's point I, you know the, the training that's going to go into that that we're getting now especially at Intel training school it's not it's not adequate enough. It's a starting point, but it's not adequate enough. And so that's why we need to have a space force who is preparing airmen for that space fight. Thank you, Justin. You bring up, you both bring up a great point about multi-domain operations and your website talks about that. The new term now as you're all tracking is joint all domain command and control. And so it's JADC2 to try to get after the joint environment, the DOD, requirement for uh, all domain superiority and then Mitch to your point what the impact is going to be if one of those domains is not there and right now I think it's very difficult to quantify the impact operations if space capabilities aren't there and I think the it all starts with intelligence and if you know what that threat is and what the potential uh, impact is based on uh, either a kinetic or non-kinetic event on a spacecraft, that's gonna be the key. And, and people need help with that right now. So, and I think the new Chief of Staff of the Air Force coming in is, is gonna focus on the JADC2 mission or the Joint All-Domain C2 mission. So thanks for, for pointing that out. Now, the other thing you talk about a little bit on your website is the development. And so if we were, if we were going to develop a curriculum, what would what would that curriculum entail to ensure you know and this would, would be just an overview understanding that we can't possibly get into the the nuances necessary to create an entire curriculum in a in a 30 minute podcast but i'm just curious from an overview perspective what are you thinking about for a a proper intelligence curriculum to support the space force I think the the first part is that the U.S. Space Force has already addressed is to increase depth in space. So you, you need a curriculum where Intel personnel understand the space environment, like orbitology or the engineering of satellites and various components, what those performance parameters are, uh, knowing implications of debris and orbital collisions. Um, I think also, you, you know, the bread and butter as an Intel professional um, is had no had, blue capabilities or, or friendly U.S. capabilities, red system capabilities, adversary capabilities. From a blue system perspective, you need to know your own systems, what they're capable of doing and what they can't do, what it does well and not so well. Uh, you also need to know what blue capabilities outside, uh, blue capabilities exist outside of the space domain and, and what they can be do, uh, do to mitigate threats against our vulnerabilities. And, and I think on the red system side, uh, again, the, the all-domain piece is paramount. The, the threat in air, land, and cyber will most certainly affect space. So they really need to know that. And how well can an adversary 
questions you need to ask, like how well can an adversary track our satellites? How mature is their targeting capability? And, and I actually think our cyber knowledge in particular needs to significantly improve uh, because, uh, you know, you know, uh, from, I, I would say means I almost I'll be on par with our space knowledge. And then the last thing I think that we're, we probably need to do a much better job at is understanding U.S. and adversary space strategy doctrine and intent, which is very critical uh, in uh, producing uh, analysts that can provide uh, information to combat commanders to be able to make decisions. So how do we, as, a, as the United States and our adversaries, view their place in the world? What is our and their counter space doctrine? What are the most likely and most dangerous courses of action? Uh, and when we think of a conflict that could extend into space. Um, so thinking through these questions, I think will most certainly improve analysis and they'll avoid a, lot of, avoid a lot of the common traps that we see in Intel analysis today where like mirror imaging where, you know, everybody wants to, uh, everybody wants democracy, right? Uh, everybody wants what, what we want is the U.S. or confirmation bias where we only pick out information that would back up our, our, proposed hypothesis or how we see things. So um, I, I know that's a lot, but um, I'm glad you asked the question because I've obviously thought about this a lot. Um, but I think if we get from there and, um, uh, and I say also include ISR as equal partners with space operations or space operators, uh, we can no longer be seen as a support uh, function. We are absolutely ops. Um, and there's a lot of existing training out there through the National Security Space Institute uh, in particular, that uh, will do a very good job. We can leverage those things. Just need to include uh, Intel as a training audience. Completely agree. Uh, I agree. I think the more we delve into this, and you brought up several key points, but um, the more we delve into the intricacies of the threat environment and the adversary doctrine, and what those systems, those specific systems are capable of doing, and then what our systems, the blue systems, are able and how they're able to mitigate and what the recommendations would be to operators and even to acquirers on what types of capabilities we might need on our blue systems. That's the exact kind of information that we're looking for, but we can't get there to your point until we develop that level of expertise, almost to an engineering perspective that says, listen, I know exactly how this system operates. And because of that, I know what the threat is going to be able to do. And I know what we should be able to work on in order to mitigate that threat. Justin, I'll, I'll turn it over to you and get your perspective on that. No, absolutely, Hippie, that you're, I mean, you guys are both 100% correct. And, and you know, an easy way to, to frame this is, you know, if, an, if I'm an ISR airman and I'm going to an F-16 or an F-15 unit, I go to a very specific formal training unit that teaches me the ins and out of that platform. And so as we look at blue system capabilities, um, you know, specifically like, let's take a look at like a, a counter communication system. Uh, we need folks that understand the ins and outs of those systems so that they know exactly what it is it's capable of doing. And, and then also uh, as we look towards development, you know, what other things will we need to do with it? Um, so, I, you know, when we talk about what the curriculum should be, when we talk about blue systems, I think that's a, that's a pretty easy kill. And then when we talk about, you know, red system capabilities, like Mitch said, you know, we, we need to look at all domain knowledge with regards to, uh, you know, threats in, in air, land, and cyber. 
because we, as, as we know, space touches everything. And so if I want to know, if I'm teaching my ISR uh, individuals that an integrated air defense system relies on space in a number of ways, then I know that uh, that can potentially be a vulnerability. And uh, that level of understanding is what we need to be teaching uh, our folks, not specifically tied just to integrated air defense, but to all, all, um, all types of, 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 of weapon systems and all types of uh, dis disciplines. Thank you, Justin. One of the things, and we were talking about it a little bit, and you just mentioned it there, a counter communication system. So that obviously is a ground-based, not obviously, but it's a ground-based system that's able to take out critical communications that we rely on to ensure that information gets transmitted to the, the operator. What other types of threats should we be focused on, in your opinion, from a Space Force perspective? That's, that's a ground-based counter-com threat. What are the other threats that are out there that we can talk about? I mean, there was a Netflix, you're probably tracking the Netflix series that came out called the Space Force. And in one of the episodes, there's an interesting concept. Um, what, what are those types of threats that we should be looking at? Well, I mean, like if, if we look at in 2007, uh, you know, China successfully launched a, a missile into low Earth orbit and actually kinetically hit a satellite. And we know that, that this last year, <clears throat> Russia's testing that, tested that capability. And, and, you know, China has continued to test it throughout the years. So that's obviously something we, we want to be aware of. Um, and then when we talk about directed energy weapons, things like things that are reversible and non-reversible. Um, when we talk about electronic warfare, we need to, like you said, hippie, uh, you know, counter communication systems. So we need to be looking at jamming or, or things like spoofing, which is, uh, you know, introducing a fake, a fake signal uh, with erroneous information. Um, we, we talked about the kinetic threats with anti-satellite capabilities like missiles. Um, obviously, we can get catastrophic if we talk about uh, EMPs, electromagnetic pulses. Uh, we, we need to be looking at threats that are obviously not only uh, terrestrial, but also things that are on orbit as well. So uh, adversaries will put things in space and classify it as a scientific or engineering project when really it is probably just a test for something that we could expect to see in the future. So understanding those threats, and then like Mitch talked about earlier, tying those threats to their doctrine so that we can actually form an opinion on what would be the most likely, most dangerous course of action with these new systems and these new threats that we're tracking. Thank you, Justin. Mitch, do you wanna to add to that at all? I think Justin hit pretty much everything. I go back to an early comment I made with regard to to cyber threats, and I I, I don't know if Justin touched on that. I, I think we we may have we may have missed that part. But um, if our adversaries have sophisticated knowledge of of our space system capabilities, then particularly from a cyber perspective, they can most certainly use that to enable both reversible and non-reversible cyber effects. So that would probably be the one other. Uh, um, threat I would add to, to the list that Justin had, had uh, provided. That's perfect. No, you're right. There, there's been quite a few articles coming out. And in fact, uh, Catalyst Campus here in Colorado Springs is doing a cyber impact to space operations cohort here not too long. So I think the command and, and the service is really thinking about that. So that, that, that is perfect. The 
So that's the types of threats. And you spoke a little bit too about the F-15. I like that, Justin. You said, hey, the, uh, the Intel analyst knows the system. They are able to look at the, the munition. They're able to look at the systems inside the F-15 as an example and provide recommendations. Is there a way that you're able to, as Intel professionals, look at the space systems and understand how they specifically operate? Or is that something you kind of have to dig for and, and get access to? And then the follow on is, how do you visualize that? I mean, you can sit there and look at an F-15 and go, hey, wow, look at that. That's, that's the radar. I know what that, that is and I know what that's doing. Do we have that kind of visual capability yet for the space systems? Well, there's there's a number of tools that operators at you know various locations have access to, um, and you know each one of those tools has a very specific function, and and a lot of it is what we would call a, a common operating picture of sorts, but a program of record standard, what I would say uh, widely used at every single site, common common operating picture that gives you the ability to visualize maneuvers and, and other things uh, that we would be, we would, we would want to be aware of. I would say that at this time, no, we do not have that. But these are the kind of things that are being worked, I, I think, uh, worked well anyway, uh, underneath the space C2 construct, which was, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enterprise Space Battle Management Command and Control effort, um, which actually involves places like Catalyst Campus. But it is now switched to the to the C two the space C two effort, which is small businesses developing tools for end users on shortened timelines based on requirements that the operator is giving to the developer to give us tools um, you know that we would need, such as a space common operating picture that you know one tool to rule them all type of a thing. Yeah, the, the thing I'd really like to pull the thread on a little bit is understanding our own systems. I think a lot of times we rely on hired help, if you will, to provide recommendations on the types of systems we need to purchase in the future to mitigate the types of threats that we know exist. And the perspective might be that we train our intelligence experts to understand and completely understand the system so that they can provide recommendations with the operators back to the acquisition community to ensure that we've got the right systems in place. But yeah, that's definitely, I think, an opportunity for, for growth. In terms of where these space intelligence experts go, what would be your recommendation? Where, where should we have space intelligence? Typically that has re, um, resided at the operations centers as you guys have both been a part of. Are there other locations? Uh, is there another model that we could look at where we might be able to, to put intelligence experts at the tactical level? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, 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 oh, sorry, Mitch, go ahead. No, no, I, I think uh, to your point, at tactical level, and, and, and I really liked when General Goldfein, uh, you know, reinvigorating the squadrons being the heartbeat of the Air Force. And I think we, we probably apply that same concept to what, what we're doing in the Space Force. Uh, I, I think, you know, the, the genesis of having a solid Intel analyst is getting that operational stink on them, for lack of a better term, and sitting side by side with their space and, uh, and cyber operators to understand. Um, you really have to understand 
much like that F-15 pilot, what are the things when you're on a mission that makes you nervous or that keeps you up at night? And understanding those things so you can better address them to make those hard decisions um, when, when the, the need arises. So I, I think you start there. Um, and I think the other part is that we just can't, what I would say, space force it the entire time. We need to open up opportunities to serve in combat support agencies at the national intelligence community level uh, or at, to combat and command staffs like on the J2. And I would even say in the J3 and J5, if, if we're not integrating intel professionals in, outside of the two, um, then it's hard for us to really get a true understanding of how we do operations or how we do planning. Um, and, and I just say, we just can't operate in a bubble. And the other part, since we brought up training, I, I think we need to really put a significant investment in instructor duty. And, and what I mean is whether that's an initial skills training all the way to advanced training. So we need more ISR for space professionals uh, and I mentioned earlier, like the National Security Space Institute, um, you know, doing initial skills training, whether it be at, at uh, space undergrad space training, uh, space warfighter prep courses, improving that ISR presence, and then also introducing content to those courses um, and having people assigned to those courses would would really pay pay huge dividends. And and the last thing uh, that that I can think of is, as I'm talking is. Your, your test and eval, um, your test and evaluations units, uh, as well as support to acquisitions. We really need to grow on that. Um, I think an assignment like that at SMC or, or uh, the Rapid Space uh, Capabilities Office, those type of organizations where you need to have threat-informed acquisitions. Uh, we don't really have the presence that we need, um, that in my opinion, that I think we need in the future. Um, but that's, that's just off the top of my head and, and I'll, I'll probably just defer to Justin since he, he kind of chimed in to make sure I didn't miss anything. Yeah, no, Mitch, I, the only thing that I would actually add on to is, um, I think it's also important that we're not only at the combatant command, to, like the J2, three or five staff, but we, we have to be integrating with the operation centers, I believe in those other combatant commands. Uh, what we've seen in the past is it's great that we have operation centers stateside that understand what the space threat is and, and how to counter it, but it's lost when you start talking about Indo-PACOM and, and UCOM because they just don't have the dudes out there who are looking at those kind of threats and how it ties to their problem sets. And so I think having Space Force, uh, whether it be operators or even Intel folks out in other operation centers, making sure that we are integrating space effects um, into the air tasking order on a, on a more timely basis is going to be super important as we move forward because we're gonna. We hope. Hopefully, we do never find out. But I, you know, it's. It, I think it is a matter of time before we do find out how integral space is to not just space force operations, but to and, and not space command operations, but to all combat command operations. That's a great point, Justin. I really like that about ensuring that intel experts are embedded around the globe at multiple operations center, not just combatant commands, but other domain operation centers at the lane component or air component or maritime component to ensure they understand what the impact of their operations are going to be if their critical space capabilities are lost. I, I think that's a, that's a great point. Listen, gentlemen, that, this has been a phenomenal informational podcast, and I, I really appreciate you taking time 
for folks who want to learn more about Quantum Aerospace LLC, where, where should they go? Well, the, the first place you can go is to our webpage, which is www.quantumaerospacellc.com. Um, there's a there's a host of information on there about Mitch, who Mitch and I, who we are, our backgrounds, and what it, it exactly is that Quantum Aerospace is going to do. And then there is a contact us tab uh, on that webpage with a with a email address. If you have any questions or want to contact us directly, it's it, you can click that tab. But the 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 inbox is uh, it's info at quantumaerospacellc.com, and then Mitch and I are also pretty active on uh, LinkedIn. So Quantum Aerospace LLC has a LinkedIn page. So anybody can feel free to either email us or go on our LinkedIn page and send us a message or, or um, you know, that those are the two best ways to get in touch with us. Perfect. Thank you, Justin. Mitchell, I've worked with you both in the past and I can tell you, you're both extremely professional individuals and I, I'm very excited about where Quantum Aerospace is going. And thank you so much for, for starting it because this is a, a critical capability the Intel community needs as the Space Force stands up to support the U.S. Spacecom mission. Is there anything else you'd like to tell the audience before we go? I'll just say, um, Hippie, th thanks to the, to the Space Force Association and, and what they're doing to get more awareness out there on on uh, on space, it's so critically important, and, and not just for military operations, for for civil society as well. So really um, appreciate the venue, uh, appreciate uh, all the, uh, the 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 membership and and the leadership within the Space Force Association. Very important role, and and all the best in the future. And we look forward to being a part of it with y'all. Absolutely. Hey, thanks a lot, you guys. I appreciate you both taking time out of your busy schedules to discuss the, the important mission of the intelligence requirements in support of the Space Force with the Space Force Association. So thank you so much, and we look forward to talking to you in the future as this mission area continues to progress. Thanks, Hippie. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this edition of a Space Pro podcast where I interviewed Mitchell Overton and Justin Lotzbaum of Quantum Aerospace, LLC. They provided some unique insights from their combined 40 years experience in the intelligence community. As you know, most of that time was dedicated to promoting the space intelligence mission. If you'd like to learn more about the U.S. Space Force and why it is so critical to our national security, please go to www.ussfa.org and sign up for updates on all topics related to our newest military service. Thank you for listening.